Wait, the Ruby community has drama? <laughs> Wait, I've been gone for a month. You guys still program in Ruby? <laughs> <laughs> no, we all I, use I, Elixir now. Didn't you get the memo? I, I, oh. I just I just read Ruby books. I don't actually program anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This podcast is sponsored by New Relic. To track and optimize your application performance, go to rubyrogues.com slash newrelic. This episode is sponsored by JetBrains, makers of RubyMine. If you like having an IDE that provides great inline debugging tools, built-in version control, and intelligent code insight in your factories, check out RubyMine by going to jetbrains.com slash ruby. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 112 of the Ruby Rogues Podcast. This week on our panel, we have James Edward Gray. Hello from Under the Rainbow. David Brady. Oh, you found me. Josh Susser. Hey, good morning. Who wants to get married? Avdi Grimm. Hello, hello. Katrina Owen. Hi. And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. And this week we're going to be talking about uh, community hacks or ways that we can make the community better. I think there's a better explanation than that of what we really want to talk about. So if somebody wants to jump in, that's great. Or if you want to just kick it off with one of your ideas, that would also be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just set some context. The, so uh, was it Katrina or Avdi who started this all going? I think it was Avdi. Avdi. Yeah. yeah so you want me to, to lay down some context? Yeah. Tell yes. us what we're talking about. <laughs> so the Ruby community is awesome. And uh, I say that. Uh, not just subjectively, but um, I'm in the very lucky position to have gotten to, to get to meet and work with a whole lot of newbies to the community, um, particularly uh, with my uh, my remote pair programming efforts. I've had a whole lot of time to to spend with newbies and also meeting people at conferences. And and the the overwhelmingly one of the things that they tell me just kind of spontaneously as, as they, they're coming into the Ruby community, either from not programming or often from, from other programming communities is they're just blown away by the warmth of the community, uh, and the exuberance of the community and the helpfulness, uh, and, and just overall, you know, niceness and greatness of the community. And, and this is, it's nice to see. I mean, when I, when I got into the language many years ago, that was one of the big things that drew me in. Uh, it was an incredibly warm, uh, community, I think you know, n- initially based on on Mats being such a nice guy, and um, it's really nice to see as I as I talk to newbies that it's still that way. And I just thought it would be nice to spend some time talking about uh, the reasons why the community is is so awesome um, and the things that make it so. And I know that you know once you've been in the community a while, you um, you often get the the urge to be more of an active part in. Uh, creating the awesome and so i thought it'd be cool to talk about some like uh practical and you know concrete ways uh that people can do that you mean like starting a podcast like starting a podcast <laughs> or suggesting an episode on how we can make the community better this is getting tail recursive <laughs> i'm i'm not tail call optimized if we do this three or four more times i'm gonna blow stack <laughs> <laughs> and nobody wants that. No, nobody <laughs> wants that. So give so, us a concrete example, someone. When Avdi uh, suggested the episode, I started thinking a lot about who in the community do I really respect uh, and 
and why and the why being important like what can i do to be more like them and um a few of the things i'm not not even sure if i should like just you know what what should i say mention names uh call people out but one of the things that someone i respect deeply does is that they stay very positive on twitter like they do not complain on twitter as sort of a action that I they do i think you can call them out for that because that person is awesome okay so tender love aaron patterson yes. uh specifically chooses to be positive on twitter he puns he jokes he's whimsical he um says nice things um he he calls out good work and Shows pictures it of cats. Shows pictures <laughs> of cats, and it's truly enjoyable. He's and the guy who did Hug Friday, right? Yes. Yeah, he's, yeah he's I think so, it. yeah. And I just find that truly enjoyable, and I try to emulate the that thing that he does by not complaining on Twitter, for example. Wow. That People would like complain on Twitter? So, that would get rid so, of, like, two-thirds <laughs> of my Twitter feed. Yeah, so... <laughs> so Okay, so when, when I was a kid, my mother established a house rule, which was complain to someone who can do something about it. Ooh. I like that. That's interesting. And, and it, yeah, because I, I, you know, making a complaint, you know, you know, registering that you have a problem with the way something's happening is how we make progress. It's how we make things better. It's, you know, we have agile retrospectives where we examine how well we're doing and then we take what we've learned and we continuously improve our process, right? But the thing about a lot of the quote complaining on Twitter is that it's not complaining to anyone. It's just, oh, I have a complaint. Doesn't that make me awesome? But there are actually ways to use Twitter to affect positive change. And some of those start with complaining to somebody who can actually do something about it. But I agree that if you're just like going ah, 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 all the time, that doesn't really contribute to anything. That is a really Kudos to your mom, Josh. That is a really cool idea. Liz and I established, now this is something that can be exploited for evil really quickly, but Liz and I honor the spirit of this. And in our marriage, we have a rule that if you want to complain about something, just go fix it yourself. And obviously, right? I mean, if, if, if it's something that's out of your power, then yeah, compl I, I like that rule. Complain to somebody who can do something about it. But like in our marriage, like if the mess on the kitchen table bugs you, clean it up. And this won't work in a relationship if one person is making the mess and the other person is cleaning it up. Obviously, it's exploitable. But our relationship is such that um, we care enough about the other person being in distress over something enough that all Liz has to do is start cleaning the kitchen table. And I'm like, oh, crap, I made a mess. I've got to go clean that up. And I and then I go fix it. And so I, th I think that that ties nicely in with the, the open source motto of, you know, never complain, only fix. Mm, well, uh, you know, sometimes those things are are too much for you. It's you know, I remember yeah, my early yeah. day, my, you know, when I was getting started with Rails, there was so much about the Rails code base that was completely mysterious that I had no ability to yeah. do stuff myself. So yeah. I got, you know, but, the, you know, get involved in the community, level up, learn, yeah. learn how to do stuff. Yeah. But, so this, and one of the most effective ways to, to quote, complain is to say, um, you know, here's something that's affecting me. How can I help fix it? Yeah. Well, and even if you can't do that, like, even if you don't feel like you can really contribute to the solution, I mean, you can yell and scream on Twitter and say, you know, hey, this gem sucks and it doesn't do X, Y, and Z. Or you can go to the GitHub repository and file an issue and give them as much information as you can. 
And so at least then it's in the right place where they go and look at things and can do something about it as opposed to, you know, being this big negative influence on Twitter. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting that I grew up to be a programmer when my mother was training me to submit effective bug reports as a child. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Katrina, you had something to say. Yeah, one of the other things that I really, or one of the things that I appreciate about Aaron Patterson is this sense of like whimsical. He has this beautiful sense of whimsicality that comes through in often also in the code that he writes. Uh, for example, he wrote, I believe he wrote the library uh, mini test pride, which I use always like I only use mini test these days and I always use mini test pride and it gives you fabulous tests. <laughs> it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. And of course that's kind of in the, in the vein of why, um, who, you know, I think really contributed a lot of that whimsical culture to uh, to Ruby, and uh, I think it's really one of our most precious. Uh, I don't know things about the community. Yeah, like I have, I have to agree with that. Like even you know our our names for gems and stuff can almost be you know terrible at times. You know, whereas in Perl, if you want that XML parser, it's probably under like you know, XML colon colon parsers or something like that. Right. Whereas uh, for us, it's nokogiri, which means chainsaw in Japanese, you know, yes. or whatever. <laughs> but I always, I still, even with the horrible names making it harder to find, it's so much fun. I'd just rather do it that way. <laughs> and I should clarify for, for those newer to uh, the community that when I say why, I'm referring to why the lucky stiff who uh, was, was formerly very active in the community and and had a lot of amazing goofball, artistic, bizarre, hard to describe contributions. Right. Yeah, I think that that um, wise uh, sort of life as performance art approach to interacting with the community did give a lot of people in the community permission to be whimsical. Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, but but I think that it all beyond I, whimsy is one aspect of it. I think what it really is, is that whimsy is how many people express themselves and that the Ruby community is really open to people expressing themselves through their work and their contributions to the community. It's not like we all have to fit in and conform to a certain mode of behavior or dress or speech right. or what have you. We're really cool with, oh, you can be authentically yourself while you're being a Rubyist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how we're having that, this very serious conversation about whimsy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's hit another point on somebody's list. There were a lot of great points. It's kind of playing off of what you started off with, Avdi, is that you work with a lot of people who are new, both to programming and new to Ruby, and we make a, a, a large effort to welcome them. And we do this not just by saying, hey, you're welcome here, you know, come play with us, but we we start projects like RailsBridge, or we have these websites and tutorials that help people get into Ruby, like TryRuby, or the, what is it, the zombie tutorial, or Michael Hartle's tutorial, right? There are, there are a lot of resources that are specifically designed to help people get started in the community, and there are, and not only with programming, there, are, we, we put on events, like the Steel City Ruby last year had as a goal to to have as many people who had never been to a Ruby conference before and make them feel welcome. For example, I just I just awesome. went to Ruby Nation and I was 
thrilled by the number of newbies that I met there, um, both to programming or, or to Ruby. And, you know, I was, I was just thinking, um, I had a conversation wh- while I was there with somebody who is not new to the programming community. They were like a cor- big corporate project manager type person who was, I think, at his first Ruby conference. And he was kind of quizzing me about the Ruby community. And he was a little, a little nervous about this, you know, I don't know, a bunch of hippies or whatever. But I was, you know, explaining. So he was, he was talking about, well, this seems like kind of a, a, a small conference. You know, is, is the community big enough to sustain, you know, is this language going to be al- around for long? And, you know, being part of the community, sort of so embedded in the community, I, I forget sometimes that it's different outside. And I had to explain that this was one regional conference out of like dozens, you know, th- that we have a couple of, you know, much bigger conferences, but, but there are these dozens of regional conferences and they're not put on by corporations trying to hawk their wares. They're put on by people who say, Hey, let's, let's throw a conference. And that's just, I mean, that's, I don't know if I've ever seen, honestly, a community that put on so many local events. And so that's, that's one of the things that makes the community wonderful. And, you know, if, if you're, thinking about, hey, it's time to start giving back, that's probably one of the best pl- places to do it is to start getting involved with the people locally that are putting on events uh, and also putting on users groups. And we, we, we have all these wonderful Ruby users groups all over the place. And I'm just going to go ahead and, and admit, I have not been good enough uh, to my local Ruby users groups of late. And, and I'm going to commit to getting, getting to them more often and, and being more supportive of that local community because they really supported me I mean, that's why, that's how I got my first Ruby job when I, you know, when I got started, uh, when I, you know, seriously got started in, in the community. So I could definitely do better there too. Yeah. Any group that Avdi's a part of is an exceptional Ruby users group. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. That uh, is so cool. Yeah. You, you just had to throw that out there. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> so one of the things that I noticed that I do uh, when I'm around, other nerds is that I tend to use all of this sort of inside culture, all of these inside jokes and sci-fi references and knowing Firefly stuff by heart and all of the stupid things that we kind of bond over. And that's something that I think might not always be helpful around newbies in particular, because they might not share that culture. They might not share that history. And I was wondering what you guys think about that. Oh, we don't want those kind of newbies. <laughs> problem solved. Yeah. There you go. Let alone the ones that come in with a Windows laptop, right? That's Ouch. right. Yeah. K- K- Katrina, I, I want to say the flip side of that. I, 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 I well, I, I agree that like, like a lot of people can show up at like a meetup or a conference, and if everyone's talking about Firefly and they've never heard of it, that's going to be off-putting. On the other hand, people who come to the community, and that's the only thing that they that they hear that they recognize and can get and can jump into a conversation on, then that can be really helpful. Okay, So I I guess my point is be more aware uh, so that if people are not participating in, in your inside jokes or like, just be aware if people might not be getting your inside jokes and bring them into the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. It definitely passes the point where you're like lightly throwing in a reference or joking with some people or whatever to the point where the conversation is centered around that. And if you are not in the know, then we're literally talking past you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, we're talking about community. Community is, you know, I have a little, you know, a little thing in my 
uh, window here, the line that says communication leads to collaboration leads to community. And where that all starts with is, it, you know, the foundation for that is communication. People actually have to talk to each other, write things back and forth to each other, exchange ideas, make plans. And then, you know, they can collaborate and work together on stuff. And the more people participate together, the more you have a community. But it's all about talking to people. And so you meet somebody new, you talk to them, you ask questions, you get to know them. Yeah. Now, just and to be clear on this point, should you find someone who's never seen Firefly, it is totally acceptable <laughs> to lock them in a room, put it on, bring them food, and just you know, make them watch the entire thing in one city. I'm just saying. And it's, I, tr that's okay. I tried that. I have to admit, I tried that. I tried to uh, force my partner to watch Firefly, and we got through half the first episode, and the response was like, I can't stand the captain. Like, oh, turn this off, make it stop. Oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I, and, 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 and late, later that night, Katrina was filling out her OK Cupid profile, looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do want to say that uh, a lot of times people will make references to shows that I haven't seen, and I, I really appreciate it when they're like, "Well, you definitely need to go see whatever show it is." I mean, that's how I picked up Firefly and Battlestar Galactica, and why well, I'm going to start watching Big Bang Theory, and you know, because they come highly recommended, and people seem to really enjoy them. It's just what Katrina said, you know, be aware that some people aren't in on the joke. Just touching back on whimsy, the point of whimsy isn't to be a weirdo. The point of whimsy is to say, hey, look, I'm playing. Come join me. And if you if you sit down and you start playing and we do something whimsical, I think the point is to say, look at what I can get away with while getting paid, you know, to program. And it's it's exciting and interesting and funny and if yeah, if it's off-putting, then it doesn't serve its purpose. But if it's if it's inviting and enticing and intriguing, then it's a bonus and it's a multiplier, and you absolutely want to include that. And I think Katrina touches on it really well that it can backfire or be wrong, it, because that's not what our community is about. It, right. I mean, it's a great it's a great you know icing on the cake that we all have all this stuff in common and we all you know like Firefly or whatever. But right. that's not what our community is about, and it, and to the extent that it prevents people from being included or distracts, then we yeah. should probably take a critical eye at it. Yeah. There was actually some research done on stereotypes and whether or not people who were not programmers would be interested in studying programming based on the paraphernalia that the room was decorated in. And they found that sci-fi posters and cans of Coke and things apparently put people who were not already programmers off in, in sort of a, a significant way and that having culture neutral posters increased the number of people who expressed interest in so, um, studying programming. So don't make your cubicle look like a creepy comic book store. Is that kind of the, <laughs> well, in your cubicle, you're already in a work environment. You do what you want, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's more in the situations where people might be, brought into programming or might be interested, but they don't know it yet. Sort of mm -hmm. these situations that I think be, be a little bit careful, be aware. Yeah. So while we're being careful and being aware, I have a bad habit that um, I do. And that's the, the stories of um, 
you know, oh, when I was 13, I taught myself Visual Basic from, uh, or not Visual Basic, it was Normal Basic, sorry, uh, from a book, you know, and, and programmed, and that was how I learned programming and stuff. And I wasn't aware of this problem, actually, until mm -hmm. I had a good conversation with Katrina about it recently. So uh, I'm glad she brought that to my attention, but that can be off-putting in the same way, right? I can tell people that, uh, you know, if you didn't do that, if you didn't come to programming that way, then you're a lesser programmer, which is, of course, ridiculous, right? Graybeard party. So, I mean, I, I do the, you know, the old fart war stories a lot, too. I never really thought of it as, uh, you know, chest beating or, you know, or uh, asserting dominance behavior, that kind of thing. It was, you know, oh, well, you know, if it was possible for me to figure out how to do this when I was young and didn't have, you know, much in the way of instruction, you know, anybody could do this, right? It, you know, so this, this happens, I don't know. Okay, so... I'm, I'm going to try yeah, to clarify yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, one of the, I, I often feel left out in conversations because I came to programming at the age of 27. And it's like, there, there are two types of war stories and I love some of them and I feel left out of others. And the type of war story that I absolutely love is the, well, I had this problem and I spent a week trying to learn how to understand the, uh, you know, the metadata format for this, arcane thing. And finally, you know, I realized that it was this one bit that was flipped. And, you know, magically, though I wanted to jump out of a window for most of the week, I figured it out. It was awesome. And and now I can, you know, read this format like a book, kind of. Like, it's this, it's a story. You tell it, it was hard. It it, it doesn't make you sound like a genius. It make, makes it makes the listener share in this kind of amazing and difficult experience that you had. And then there's the other thing where this conversation might devolve, it starts somewhere interesting, and then people throw in, oh yeah, remember the old whatever arcane hardware that was running the whatever arcane software that I've never heard of or have only heard of because people reference it in this kind of mm -hmm. conversation. And I'm like, I wasn't there. Now I don't, like, now I can't share in. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it, it's a completely different conversation. Usually, so it's like you turned off CPM halfway through the first episode because you couldn't stand the captain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, that, my that, the situation that I see that happen in most of the time is because there are two people that have that context. So, so they're talking about yeah. the the way back machine. You know, if it's just me and one other person, usually if they're bringing up a story like that, it's relevant to what we're talking about and kind of interesting, but. You know, when you get two or three guys that are all sitting there going, well, back in the 80s when I worked on whatever, and then it's like the, oh, yeah, then you're on the outs because I was in kindergarten in 1985 yeah. kind of thing. And Well, yeah, often it's not even a story. Yeah, everyone's not even a story. It's just a reference. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think we're, like, saying never do that. I mean, like, it's good to commiserate sometimes and – you know, if that's a shared thing or if, if you're comparing how you came to it or whatever, I think it's more worth saying, be aware that you, you might be excluding people, right? Yeah. And, and to say, you know, follow it up with something like, but of course there's millions of valid ways into programming or whatever, yeah. right? I mean, you know, things like that, be aware of that. <laughs> 
Right? Is that what we're saying? I think. Yeah, I think that's the summary. Be aware. <laughs> Some, somebody gave me some really good advice. They actually got this from an, from an, from a, a bona fide therapist, but now I'm telling you about it third hand. So this is officially an urban legend because it's friend of a friend, right? Well, it's a therapist of a friend. Anyway, um, <laughs> <coughs> this person's advice was pay attention in every interaction that you have throughout the day to see if your interaction is a one up or a one down, you know, every, like, like every exchange, do you put yourself one level above the person you're talking at or one level beneath the person you're talking to? And, I think, you know, if you, you know, I, I have a fantastic war story about the Sony PlayStation and how it would read, you know, 14 bits of audio off of a 16 bit format. And, uh, a friend of mine figured out how to use those extra two bits to load the level so that when you, when you put the disc in, it would play the, the opening music and then the game would start instantly because he figured out how to hide the game loader in those extra two bits. You can tell that story and use it as a way to bond with everybody but the new person in the room, and then everybody just stares at the new guy. And that's definitely a one down, right? It's we belong and you don't. And there's another way to tell that story, which is you tell that story to the new guy, not to show how superior you are, but to say, this is magical stuff. Don't, isn't this so cool that we get to work? And you can you can kind of pull them in and suck them in and 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 kind of trick them into more programming. Does it does that make sense? And do you think that's true, Katrina? I think that's very true. There are these Yay. openers that uh, that feel wonderful to say and and lead to wonderful things. And one of them is, hey, you want to hear a story? Um, yeah. You know, another of them is, want to see something cool? <laughs> ah, I can I what? jump in there. That's my one yes. thing I thought of for this episode. And uh, I actually have to give credit to a tweet I read recently because uh, this is something I didn't understand about myself until I read this tweet. Um, so Jesse Stormer, uh, who we've had on before, uh, made the tweet the other day that I want my next conference talk to feel more like a cooking demonstration than a lecture. And I realized that that's my style. That's how I always do everything like it, sometimes people ask me to write like, oh, I think I, the term they've used before is soft talks and stuff like that. And and I've done it from time to time, but like those take me 10 times the amount of work. And in the end, I'm only about half satisfied with them. And, and it's just not my thing. Whereas I can write a talk like the 10 things you didn't know Ruby could do, like in my free time, it's nothing. And I just find them incredibly fun and satisfying and, and, uh, that's my thing, right? It's a cooking demonstration. It's, uh, Hey, look at this. This is awesome. You know, and I don't really tell you what to do, do with it. A lot of times I even include warnings about I shouldn't do anything with this or, you know, things like that. But it's just that I love bringing people in that way, right? Just by showing them awesome stuff that is one of my favorite community hacks so to make a talk like a cooking show you should start to talk about how to chop up the code and then open the oven and pull out the finished program <laughs> well no it's more like what happens if we combine this this and this oh my gosh this is crazy <laughs> there I, think, was a, I think you have to be a little tipsy for it too th there was an article a gosh, 10 years ago or more that basically said cooking shows are basically food porn. Um, 
because they are highly sensual and they have no plot. And I wonder if that's not actually a really valid way to present more magically, right? Is make your talk more sensual, make your talk more, you know, intriguing and compelling and maybe have less plot. I don't know. You know, the plot can be how am I going to pay for this pizza? But (laughs) I I never have any plot. I've typically lost the plot. Your plot is we have to get to 101. (laughs) That's right. I I actually had to warn people who take notes at conference talks that you should let this one go because it's really going to make you mad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Can we we shift uh, gears just slightly? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I made a good good point for that. Okay. So I I have um, the the first thing I have on my list of subjects here comes from uh, Katrina talked earlier about how she was trying to think of who she respected in the community. And so the, the thing that I've written down here is liking versus respecting. And I, I got to say, there's a bunch of people in our community who are uh, really likable. And there's a bunch of people in our community who are respectable. Uh, for, and this is yeah. from my perspective. And those that Venn diagram has a big overlap. But there's pl- but there are plenty of people in the in the community who I have a lot of respect for them, but I don't actually like them all that much. You know, I probably wouldn't want to, you know, have a beer with them or, or cook dinner for them or go camping or anything, uh, yeah. you know, where we had to socialize a lot, but it's totally fine to hang out with them at conferences, to correspond with them, to work on issues, to, you know, sub, you know, you review pull requests, that, that kind of thing that completely okay people for me to work and collaborate with and be involved with in the community. So I think that there are, there's, I'm not quite sure what the hack in the community is around this, but I would like to see people more open to working with and collaborating with and being in community with people who are worthy of their respect, even though they may not like them. Yeah. That's true. I hope this isn't too big of a digression, but, but the deaf community is very much like that. I studied sign language for a while and we, we had to study what the deaf community was like. And that for homework, we were, um, one of our assignments was to watch the movie Steel Magnolias, which I had never seen before. And I was like, Oh, this is an awesome movie. If you like chick flicks, but, the, but I, I mean, it's like, and it's like, it, it was really a great movie. But the point of, the, of watching the movie was here you have this small town with a lot of very uh, powerful per- and strong personalities all clashing. And a lot of these people who really did not like each other at all, but they had enough respect for each other that they would be there for each other and support them when they needed it. Huh. Yeah. That's a really powerful point. I've never seen that movie. And I think you just turned that into a pick for me. Thank you. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there's, there's definitely, a, definitely a place for empathy. And I, I think it's an important thing to talk about. You, you just you don't understand what what people are going through and if you if you just pay attention and and you know we we, we talk a lot about you know some of the things that we like to do and so, or some of the things to do and not to do i mean we had the diversity discussion and we talked about some of the red flags to pay attention to and stuff but this is something that i brought up when we were discussing this on on the email and it's something that i i really want to bring up and that is is that we have these hacks and we have these things that we want to do and we have these things that we don't want to do but I, I think a lot of it really just comes down to being having empathy and having a good attitude and and we've kind of alluded to a lot of this but 
I just want to put it out there. I mean, if we are focused on serving each other and helping each other and being good to each other and, and doing the right things for each other and just, you know, making this a terrific place for people to be, that's, that's really, um, where it matters. And so, I mean, a lot of times it's just the little things, you know, you see somebody that, that, you know, looks a little bit bothered at a conference or you, uh, you know, you, you hear a talk from somebody who makes themselves, you know, rather vulnerable in the way that they, they speak or the topic that they've covered. And, you know, all of those things, you know, where we just, you know, just reach out and let people know that we appreciate it or reach out and let people know that they belong. You know, it it makes a huge difference and it just takes a couple of seconds. And I I really just want to put that out there. I mean, it goes well beyond um, being nice, which I think, you know, is what Miniswan kind of tackles. It, It goes beyond being nice and actually caring. And, and yeah. I, I think it's just important that we do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that the, the more that there's success and there's money in the community, the more we just, you know, need to remember to, to stick to the roots of, uh, you know, that it's, it is a community and, and it's a community of people who, who like to have fun together, you know, who want to see each other succeed and, and also enjoy themselves both in code and in life. Um, you know, I, I'm really convinced, you know, after, after many years in the Ruby community, I'm convinced the, the, the the community loves you and wants you to to have fun and and that makes me want to to do the same for others and uh you know yes we have jobs and and we're partly meeting up because you know and being community because we have these jobs where we get stuff done but uh you know that isn't all of it and uh and we're definitely not all here to uh to get you know to get that great that great startup exit or whatever so abdi can i ask you a question Please do. I have the advantage of having Abdi's notes so I can ask cool things. He wrote things in his notes that like, I cannot let this conversation go without hearing about. So one of those would be constructive reactions to drama, AKA what would Angela Harms do? Tell me all about that. <laughs> Ooh. Well, this, I think this, this uh, just stems straight from what Katrina was talking about. You know, I have, uh, what's the word? I have people, you know, I have people that I respect. I, I could say gurus. I don't, I don't treat them as, as gods, but, but I look to them as like, um, you know, when I'm in a bad place, I look to them as like, you know, what, what would a reaction that I would respect look like? And, and I think of those people. Um, I, I think we call them role models. Yeah. Role models. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I can't word today. And, uh, yeah, Angela Harms, we've had her on the show. She's definitely one of them. Um, she brings an enormous amount of compassion, uh, and care to, to the, the stuff that she talks about in the programming community. And, uh, you know, I, and I almost hate to single one person out because there are a lot of people like this. I mean, honestly, uh, Matt's himself has always been an inspiration to me because, uh, he is an incredibly brilliant individual who is humble and, and we spend uh, most I, of our time being mean to him, right? Yeah, Why did you do you're, this? Oh my gosh, right. you're killing me! Ah. I mean, that was one of the things that blew me away first, you know, coming into the Ruby community, is that you could get on Ruby Talk and you could you could ask about something and be like, why does Ruby do this stupid thing? It's so dumb. It, other languages don't do this dumb thing. And, and he <laughs> would just like really patiently explain, you know, why he made the decision, what the trade-offs were. And yeah, it might not be the best thing in the world, but he, it seemed like the right thing to him. And, and, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, and, and then, you know, he would also quietly, you know, and, and, and humbly 
completely destroy you with his 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 you know encyclopedic knowledge of all other programming languages ever but yes um yeah <laughs> but uh, but in a but in a really nice way and 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 that's always stuck with me because like i don't think i'm humble i don't think i'm nearly humble enough and i think that you know the more i know the more there's that urge to to be like i am the winner of knowing things um <laughs> and it's it's bad with me because like one of my hobbies is is just like reading up reading old patterns books and stuff like that and then I want to be like oh yeah well the the such and so pattern says blah 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 you know and and Cunningham in ninety eight said you know uh, it's it's a bad temptation <laughs> for me. and, I, and uh, I, 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 I of the I think that arrogance is sort of part of the job description for being a programmer. Well, yeah, I mean you know Larry Wall said here here I go Larry Wall said you know, laziness. <laughs> Uh, impatience and hubris are the the three virtues of a programmer. Uh, so I think hubris is kind of like arrogance. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I had a, I had an old fr- old friend who I worked with in my first first job who said that arrogance is actually a requirement for being able to be a programmer because what we do in our job every day is we take a hunk of of metal and silicon that has less guard less intelligence than the average garden snail, and we we train it. And enable it to do the most complicated tasks known to humankind just by explaining things very carefully. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to say this about arrogance. Um, yeah. We, as programmers in general, and especially in the community that we are in, we swim in an ocean of goodwill. Everything that we do is supported by uh, this incalculable amount of goodwill in the form of the contributions of everybody that's gone before us and put their 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 thoughts and and everything out into open source and into the public domain you know more specifically in ruby the language that we use the frameworks that we use the libraries that we use millions of lines of open source code contributed um you know out of the goodness of people's hearts you know not to mention all the all the free educational resources and stuff like that so yes we do remarkable things but we do it with the support of this just ocean of kindness that has been heaped upon us um and and i try to 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 stay mindful of that did did we did we say on the show what matt said to chuck and i at mountain west when we invited him to come on the show no in fact if if you want to check your humility this is this is the humility test matt's came to mountain west ruby uh this year and we, of course, Chuck and I pounced on him and said, please come on the show. Please come on the show. And he thought about it for a long time. And his initial response was, I, I don't think I'm an authority on the Ruby community well enough to speak out on a podcast about it. And huh. Chuck and I, our <laughs> jaws just hit our chest and said, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, we're just like, no, trust us. You're, you're an authority. People, Matt's, if you're listening to this, we, uh, Josh, I think it was you that sat next to him and said, and he said he listens to our show. Matt's, if you're listening to this, you are an authority on the Ruby language. We would love to have you on the show, <laughs> but there's your humility level. If you invent the darn thing and run it for 20 <laughs> years and then, right. and then claim to not be an authority on it, that's humility. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's good to have these these role models. It's good to have people that that yes. I mean, especially sort of uh, you know when you're having a bad day, uh, they they can function as as reminders, you know. And yes, you know they're fallible people too. They're going to have bad days too, uh, but it's still okay to look at their best days and say, I want you know 
I want to be like that as well. I want to uh, sort of tack something on to to the stuff that I was saying about the the world of open source that we live in. I want to just say, uh, if you want a little piece of concrete homework from this episode, when the the episode's done and you get get through with your commute or your run or whatever, go check your gem file and pick out a gem in there that you love and that has made your life better and go thank the the creator of that gem or the people that are involved in maintaining it. Uh, love your open source providers because they deserve it. And if you haven't told Steve Klobnik how amazing he is recently, maybe this would be a good time to just throw a tweet his way. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure he never sleeps. So <laughs> <laughs> He does. He, he wears a lot of hats. So to tack something else onto that, one of the things that I think my, that I, that I really enjoy about the Ruby, Ruby community is that we do stuff together. Like it's not just always talking. It's we go ahead and we pair on things. We'll throw some code out there and someone else will go, Oh, here's, here's an idea. Do you want to pair on it? Do you want to work together on it? Or we'll get together and, and make a project like the Ruby friends uh, website that went up before RubyConf. We're not just talking about code. We're not just talking about, um, our projects or our work, or we're not just whinging over beers. We actually get together and do stuff. And I think that's a big part of making this a great place to be. Yep. Yeah, I agree. You see people at conferences, there a lot of gems, like Ruby Gems itself, I think was made in the hallway track at a conference. You know? Yeah. You see people just pulling up laptops together and let's change the world. <laughs> Can we do one more point before we call it quits? That's what I was going to say. Sure. <laughs> At least. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, Avdi has another great one in his list. More blogs, fewer tweets. No, it said less tweets. <laughs> I fixed it because Josh yelled at me. <laughs> because More I'm grammar. <laughs> less. No, no, no. Good grammar is sexy. That's the t-shirt. Nice. Uh, okay. I like that. I'll have you know I speak very well, Grammar. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to amend that to just say more blogs. I don't care how much you tweet. Tweet a lot, tweet a little, I don't care. But uh, I do, um, you know, whenever I run across a programmer blog, and, and it, it doesn't matter, they can be somebody that's totally new to the ecosystem, but every time I run plus, run across an actual, you know, blog by a human being that, that seems to be updated, you know, sometime in the last year, uh, I subscribe to it in my feed reader. Uh, and it's it's always nice to go through those and read things that people have reasoned out, you know, and provided code examples. And um, it's just really nice to to have that uh, kind of semi long form discourse. And uh, and I've seen some really good good uh, discussions go back and forth as different you know people have put up different examples on their blogs and and uh, and then and responded to other blogs. So I you know it, it's something that it feels a little like it's tailed off. I mean some of it I think is just you know older bloggers have moved on and newer bloggers have come in, but I always like to see that and uh, and it's, it's always great to see people putting up long form thoughts on the web uh, about code. I- I, I think and, you're right. And, I absolutely got sucked into it. Um, yeah. My my blog. Sorry, Josh. Let me let me finish this quick thought, and then I'll, I'll let you in. My blog frequently had 300 and 500 word posts in it, and Twitter came out, and there was this rash of people complaining about trying to fit their thoughts into 140 characters. And now everybody can fit their thoughts into 140 characters, 
but the oxygen has been sucked out of the blogosphere in the 300 word space because people, and I do this, I certainly did this. My, my short form blogs are gone because I will just pare them down to one sentence and tweet them instead. So right. I'm, I am actually, and I am actively trying to restart heartmindcode.com as a blogging, as a space for me to put stuff out on as a blog just to get away from the evil of this compression of thought that, that is Twitter. So, sorry, Josh, yeah. I, I cut you off. Yeah, uh, no, it's fine. Um, one of the big things that, that, that I think I did right when I first entered the Ruby community was I created a blog and because I said, Hey, open source, it's all about collaborating. You have to be able to talk to people. And this was before GitHub and we didn't have this great platform for being able to do pull requests and issues and all that, um, that was really community focused. And so I just, I put up a blog and I, and, and gave myself a voice. So I think that if you're going to participate in the community conversation, having a voice is crucial. It's not just yeah. important. It's crucial. You got to have a voice to be able to participate. Yes. Having a blog is one great way of doing that. There are definitely other ways of doing it, but that's probably the lowest cost or lowest effort way to create yourself a voice in the community. Now, Avdi used the word semi-long form at one point in his description, uh, which was kind of a, a learning point for me because I, I haven't blogged in a long time because when I blog, I, for some reason, feel compelled to write it in novella form. And so it takes me like <laughs> yeah. 10 years to, to write a blog post. I mean, if you go back through like my, my blog posts on character encodings or something, if you add all those up, they would actually, I don't even know if they could be published in a book. They're probably too big. But, and then recently I've learned that not everyone has this disease and it's very refreshing and cool. Like, uh, my favorite, uh, shorter blog these days is, uh, The Real Adam by Adam Keys. And I love it that I just threw that out there because the, the top post on it is one I don't agree with, <laughs> which is awesome. And he posted it the other day and I'm like, no, wait. And then we, you know, went back and forth over it over Twitter and it was really great. But, um, seriously, like you don't have to write like 10 pages. I, I who knew? Uh, it can just be like <laughs> a paragraph or two, you know, uh, expanding some thought and, and it's still, yeah productive and useful. <laughs> my return to blogging, I have lost my 300 word voice. My, my, my three most recent posts are all like a thousand words or more. And so, yeah, it's, it's good practice. Well, one thing I want to add to what Josh said is if you are a newbie getting into Ruby, this still applies to you. Please start a blog and blog about, you know, crazy, obvious, Things that us graybeards are going to go, oh, yes, I remember when I learned that back in 1972. <laughs> but put that out there because, I mean, the point of a blog is not to say, hey, look, world, I know something you don't. The point of a blog is to say, hey, I just had the joy of discovering this. And because every day, what's the rule? There's 10,000 people learning a new idea, any given idea every day. And there's somebody out there who doesn't know what Diet Coke and Mentos is. I'll, I'll put the link to that XKCD uh, in the show notes. So if you're a newbie and you're afraid to speak up because you feel too new, that's your imposter syndrome talking. We'd love to hear from you. Start a blog. Get involved. Um, even if you don't know anything, put stuff out there. Be wrong. You know, jump it, in. 
<laughs> and and please don't wait on writing your own blog engine in Rails. Just <laughs> yes, yes. Start a yeah. WordPress blog and go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I've had a small little note here uh, that I wanted to bring to the show that I just we never got to a point where it could be tacked onto anything. Um, should I just bring it up as a specific point? Sure. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Okay. So I have a new acronym for us, and it's Minumaswan, and. <laughs> So could, could, I think could you say, could you say that again? I'm going to I'll I'll put it in the show notes. So Tender no, Love like gave hearing a talk. You say it. Oh, okay, yeah. The soundbite <laughs> for for your voicemail. Minum is one, um, and it's spelled like it sounds. E W W M is what you inject into Minuswan. And uh, Tender Love gave a talk a, a couple years ago where he basically said we should we don't need Minuswan anymore. You know, Matt's is nice, and so we are nice. That's great, but we should be nice because we are nice. And I completely, completely agree with that. I'm going to disagree with it on a minor point, but I and that's what the ew m uh, part um, gets added in. What I wanted to add to this is that we still need Minuswan because when somebody ticks us off when somebody really just kicks over our beehive we're not rational creatures and so what Minumuswan stands for is Matt is nice even when we're mad and so <laughs> we are nice and so you know even when you're furious Matt is still nice and so that's that's what I wanted to add was that you know I guess I should have tacked it on to, to obvious comment about role models because that's, that's really what I mean here is that, that, you know, I'm furious about this. This person obviously has done something, you know, in flagrant violation of all good taste and decorum and they really need to have their teeth kicked in. But Matt's is nice or I have this, you know, how would Angela Harms respond to this? How, you know, what are my role models? So that's what I wanted yeah. to add to that. Was, and, was and I just want to say, I feel like I, I never actually said exactly like what I meant by what would Angela Harms do. And I'm, I'm going to send her into hiding from all this, this, uh, putting her up on a pedestal, I'm sure. But, but, um, what I actually meant by that is, is specifically on many occasions I have seen, um, you know, uh, some sort of little drama flare up on Twitter and, and tempers get really short. And over and over again, I've, I've, I've seen her, even though she's clearly affected, you know, emotionally by the issue, make a concerted effort to yeah. find the point of view of the people that are, that everybody agrees are wrong, 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 you know, and, and find some empathy for them. And it reminds me to find some empathy. And the thing is finding that empathy is often one of the shortest paths. You know, it's, well, for one thing, it's like, a billion times healthier to feel uh it you know it's not gonna mm -hmm. end your life early the way the way constant bile will but uh it also ha happens to to turn out to be one of the best hacks for for ending conflict uh when you you know are able to show a little bit of compassion for somebody else's um yeah. feelings even you know maybe even not their point of view but their feelings you know the the state so, that they're in right now so so obviously that that is awesome and i'm gonna i'm gonna build on that and say that the you know i've i've I said before that communication is the foundation for community and the foundation for communication is listening. And, and Angela is awesome at listening and actually paying attention to what you're saying and what's behind the words even. And yeah. so the, the thing about, you know, when you're angry, when you're pissed off at somebody, you're not really listening to them. You're listening to what's going on inside your own head. And 
you know, it's totally okay to be angry. That's a natural human thing. I don't think we should all try and deny our anger when stuff that happens that, that we, that we freak out over, but you know, there's a lot more to us than our anger. And it's actually possible to listen to people, even though we're angry at them. And the, the amazing thing about listening is that you, you can listen to someone really actively, like you can speak and ask them questions and give back to them what they say. Oh, oh, you just said this. Okay. It, the amazing thing is that when people get heard and they know that you heard what they said, they don't have to keep repeating themselves anymore. And, yeah. and, and you can, and you can actually defuse a whole situation, uh, just by letting someone know that you heard what they said. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. So it works right. with babies and kids too. <laughs> it really does. Who are almost like little people. I know, right? <laughs> You've been watching my kids. Dad, 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 dad. What? <laughs> I, I think I made Avdi choke. He must have kids too. <laughs> Just a few. You watch one for five minutes, and you, anyway. So uh, I think I think we're about ready for picks. What do you guys think? Sure. Oh, sure. I think so. It was very educational in the life. All right, James, what are your picks? So never speak up. That's the one. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, picks. First of all, I mentioned Jesse Stormer earlier in the episode, and uh, it turns out he has a new workshop coming up that I didn't know about until just recently which is the Unix Foo Workshop, which is just so cool. Uh, what a great idea. I don't know about everybody else, but I like going to these like online workshops where it's a couple days you log in. I've, I've taken several classes this way from different people. And even if it's over stuff I think I know, I usually pick up something new. Or I, I like to see how different people approach problems or whatever. But uh, in a Unix workshop, I, I'm sure I would learn lots of things I don't know because... Um, I'm not uh, that that deep into it. But uh, so this sounds awesome. Uh, basically, just showing you how Unix works and how you can use that to your advantage. Um, and there's a cool video you can watch on here to kind of get an idea of that. So just wanted to throw that out there. And then uh, this weekend, I got to attend a free thought convention, which was very good. Uh, and got to see lots of great speakers, have dinner with some of my heroes, which is, you know, always cool. Uh, but uh, I saw Lawrence Krauss uh, there, and that reminded me of his book, which I finished recently. Uh, it's actually his older book, The Physics of Star Trek. Um, but it's really cool because uh, he uses Star Trek to teach you things about physics. So even if you're not that into uh, physics, uh, if you are a little bit into Star Trek, then uh, you can use things you've seen in the episodes and, and he kind of explains those uh, using physics concepts and, and shows you how physics works and talks about the things they get very right and the things they get very wrong, of course. And uh, it's, it's a good book. I really enjoyed it. So those are my picks. Awesome. Uh, Dave, what are your picks? So I really want to pick um, the Humble Indie Bundle 6, but it expires in six days and six hours, which means at the time this goes up and airs, it will have been over for 18 hours. So <laughs> um, so I'm going to tweet the crap out of this, uh, maybe tweet it at the Ruby Rogues Twitter feed and put it on the parlay list so people know about it. But if you if you missed that and you're just hearing about it now, 
I actually heard about the Humble Indie Bundle because I've been playing one of the games in it. So those of us over a certain age played Oregon Trail on the like the Apple II, <laughs> and um and, and and you know what it's like to have your entire family die of dysentery or cholera, and uh, if you have wanted uh, good times that faithful experience of the Apple II emulation, the Oregon Trail rebuilt you know, to play on your iPad as though you were sitting at a color Apple II Plus computer and you wanted it set in modern day with zombies, then Oregon Trail is the game for you. Um, (laughs) It is crying out loud hilarious. I mean, it's it instead of a covered wagon, you're in this old station wagon and you you're driving across country trying to get to Safe Haven, which is in Oregon, uh to get away from the zombie hordes. And you know, it's you can still get cholera and you can still get dysentery, but you can also have, you know, roadside events uh like running over a zombie dressed in a clown suit and the audible honk as you went over his nose uh brightens everyone's spirits and everyone's health goes up. And uh, so, you know, instead of fording rivers, you have to drive through hordes of zombies. And, uh, you know, you can wait for the horde to pass. You can shoot your way through. You can try to sneak by. It's it's this it's very much in the same spirit. You have to go hunting or in this case, scavenging. Fantastic game. Lots of fun. Oregon Trail. Um, yeah, it's like two bucks in the app store and another two bucks to buy the expansion, which is also worth it. It's a whimsical game. You'll get tired of it after about two to ten hours or 28 if you've got OCD like me. And uh, it, it's absolutely worth the price tag. So that's that's my pick. Nice. Josh, what are your picks? Uh, okay, so um, I guess I have to pick Steel Magnolias. <laughs> Since I mentioned it on <laughs> <Yes>. the show, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, it, it's a it's a real tearjerker. So uh, it, it's not like uh, like watching an episode of Firefly, uh, but it's uh, but I, I loved it. Um, it, was, it, was, it was good. Um, okay, so other picks. I mentioned active listening uh, just a, a moment ago, and I realized that would actually be something worth picking, but I didn't have any good resources. But it turns out that the Wikipedia page on active listening um, looks great, and it has a couple links to other good resources, looks like. Um, but if if you're on the parlay list and you have uh, other resources for active listening, uh, you know, let's let's uh, pull them up there. And if uh, if we get some more by next week, I can put them on the show too. Um, so there's that. And then, um, you know, in, in keeping with the theory that picks are things that made our life awesome in the last week, I'm picking the Supreme court of the United States. And so, um, thanks guys for, for striking the right down thing. the voter rights act yesterday. Yeah, that was, that was really awesome. <laughs> it's like, Yes, I'm waiting for the Onion to release a headline that says Californians angry over VRA for exactly one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not right. <laughs> and, anyway, for, for for those playing along at home, t- today is Wednesday, June 26th that we're recording this. So, anyway, that's my picks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> awesome, uh, Avdi. What are your picks? Uh, I just have one pick uh, bookmarked today. It uh, it's a site called The Wirecutter. Wirecutter.com. And, uh, it's a pretty cool site for, uh, elect- like gadget reviews. It, uh, they basically, they, they take the approach of we're going to pick the one thing that you should buy. Like in any given category, we're going to pick one thing that you should buy. Um, so they like, they do, uh, they do broad surveys of like all, 
like meta reviews, like broad surveys of, of all the reviews on, you know, CNET or Amazon or, or Lifehacker or various other sites that, that review gadgets and gizmos. And then they round up a few of the, you know, the ones that kind of float to the top of all those reviews and they, they review them hands on themselves. And then for that category, they pick one winner and they say, buy this one. And so it's, it's a nice, it, it's, you know, if, if, and their picks generally tend to be pretty good, at least from what, what I've seen so far. So it's, it's a nice, uh, uh, it's kind of a nice metaphor. Like I, I, I guess, I guess where the name comes from, wire cutter is is kind of like you know when when you're cutting the 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 green wire and the ticking bomb or something. I don't know, but anyway, it's it's <laughs> it's a nice way to cut through the uh, the what is that term when there are too many choices? The paradox of choice and get something that that is pretty much guaranteed to be uh, a good bet. So I've started to consult them more and more when I'm looking for a particular gadget. Awesome. All right, Katrina, what are your picks? I've got two today. Uh, the first is a is not something I discovered in the last week. Uh, I was at Cascadia Ruby in 2012 doing a talk, and somebody else did a talk. So the Ryan Davis, also known as Zen Spider, did a call, talk called Occupy Ruby, Why We Need to Moderate the 1%. Uh, and so it's relevant to keeping the community happy and healthy. Uh, so I thought I'd pick it today. The other pick that I have today is an article that I was told about called How to Talk to Little Girls. And it sounds like it might be very, very creepy, but it's not. Uh, this is an article by Lisa Bloom that talks about why you maybe shouldn't always talk to girls about how cute and pretty and beautiful and well-dressed and well-manicured and well-coiffed they are and how cute their dress is and, oh my God, you're so gorgeous. And maybe why you what you can talk to them about, which is what they're interested in, what they do, what book are they reading, and it's a really good article. So anyway, that's those are my picks. I I, I read that article before; it was great. I liked it. The, it the the whole like, what are you reading? Is just the perfect opening salvo. Also works with adults. <laughs> also works with adults. Awesome. So it turns out kids are like little adults. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> All right. So uh, I've got a couple of picks. Katrina actually stole one of mine, and that was the um, talk by Ryan Davis. Um, I thought it was really good. I have two other picks. One is how to write a nonfiction ebook in 21 days. Um, I, I just think that that's a terrific option if you want to write a short ebook and put it out to the community. I think I think some of the authors out there that have, have done terrific work in the community have written short ebooks like uh, Avdi's done um, or Jesse Storm where we've talked about him um, and a few other folks in the community have have just written these ebooks that make a, a huge difference to the community on uh, a focused topic that, that makes a lot of sense uh, to people. So I want to pick that. And the other one that I'm going to pick is it's Create Awesome Online Courses. This is a little bit of a larger ticket item, but uh, I really, I, I've been working through it and I'm really, really enjoying it. So uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And uh, anyway, Josh wants to plug something and then we will wrap up the show. Yeah, I, I, I need to put in a word for Golden Gate Ruby Conference. Uh, by the time you hear this, registration will be open and the list of speakers will be announced and all that good stuff. And the, so the conference is September 20th here in San Francisco. 
and we always sell out. And every year I always get um, panicked emails and, and, and tweets and texts and things a week before the conference saying, oh my God, I don't have a ticket. What can you do? And by that point, the answer is always nothing. I'm sorry. I uh, couldn't even get my mom a ticket at this point. Uh, so if you want to come to the conference, just register. Don't wait. <laughs> <laughs> that, that way you won't have to send me that panicked email a month or a week before the conference. And it's going to be great. And we have some really good, good pri uh, surprises planned. So that's my plug. Thanks for the time. <laughs> <laughs> Given our conversation, you will empathize and then say no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. We are doing our book club book that is Understanding Computing. and uh, Understanding Computation. Computation. I wish I had it in front of me and then I'd know that. And it's one that you guys listening, you need to go get this book and start reading it early because it's a it's a brain buster. It's short, but it is heavy duty. It's intense. It's, it's awesome. really good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So uh, we'll wrap up the show then. We'll catch you all next week.